This is the opening bit. Okay, let's start. Yay, we did it. <laughs> we opened an episode. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, nope. we don't have to think of jokes. You know, when, when you said you had a an opening bit um, and it was bad, I, I didn't know what to expect, yeah. but... <laughs> You, you didn't expect it to be nothing. No, I certainly didn't expect nothing. Yeah. Um. No. no, we can just dive right into topics, I guess. I don't know. Because um, I watch stuff and you watch... Like, last time when we recorded, it was two weeks ago. I was just starting to get sick, which lasted for that whole week. And also was about to go see Ant-Man 3 the next day um so i've seen ant-man 3 i loved it critics hated it i don't understand why it's not even like an iron man 2 or uh i don't know like i I stick up for the thor movies but you know like i it, it feels better than those i guess i don't know like sure it's a bunch of cliches and rushed cgi but it, it was fun i mean like, I guess for people who don't know who Modoc is, it might be a little jarring to see this weird little freak with a stretched out face flying around in a hover chair, but but if you know who Modoc is, then it's amazing, because they actually put it on screen and they had this, you know, weird little freak with a giant head who's floating around in a hover chair, and he's just being a dick. That sounds like Modoc. Yeah. He, he's the, you know, the, the heavy. He's like the secondary villain who's sent to go blow stuff up because he's, he's a mental organism designed only for killing so uh, except in this version he is the villain from the first ant-man movie who it turns out survived being shrunk down to the microverse but he's mutated from it so now he's got a giant <laughs> head and a tiny body um that's that sounds dumb but yeah i mean uh, you know otherwise yeah yeah, it, uh, it's it's yeah a whole movie set in the microverse. It's just a big dumb sci-fi spectacle, and sure, yeah, the CG is kind of bad at times. There's some scenes that feel like they were definitely shot on the volume, because it's like two people standing in fairly close proximity, and then just a bunch of you know CG scenery around them. Um, it's like the volume is a really cool piece of technology, but you kind of got to be careful how you block your shots to not make it look like you're filming in a tiny room. It's similar to the issues that green screen has, except at least the actors can see what they're interacting with, unlike green screen where it looks bad because clearly the actors didn't know what was happening in the yeah. scene. I mean, if... If the whole film is set in a CGI backdrop, then it's probably... It was probably never going to be great. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's kind of like a Flash Gordon-esque, big, dumb, silly sci-fi thing. It's just there's a lot of weird aliens, except I guess, you know, they're... They're, it's microverse, so it's it, it feels like a movie that is set in outer space, except it's not. It's set in tiny space. But, um, but yeah, there's just all these weird aliens and creatures. There's just a lot of goopy things and tentacle things. And 
um, and and Modok and like Kang is the main villain. They set him up and um, I was gonna say spoilers. I, I don't know. Who cares? I, I mean, <laughs> spoilers, not spoilers. You know, so that there is a version of Kang in this who feels like comic book Kang, and he is seemingly killed at the end. And then the post-credits reveal some of the other versions of Kang, because that's his whole deal, is that he exists in all these different multiversal timelines, and it's like a Rick and Morty Council of Ricks thing where he's aware of all the other versions of himself. Watch Loki. And, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Loki sets it up. Um, if there's a scraping sound on my recording right now, it's because I think Dad is shoveling snow off the roof because there's like a foot of snow that fell here today. Um, luckily, I'm on vacation. Yay. But anyway, yeah, so there, there there, are multiple versions of Kang, and the credits set that up, and also there's a post credit scene showing Loki and um, Owen Wilson uh, finding another version of Kang, which is you know set up for Loki Season 2, which is coming later this year. Um, but you know that, like that. Yes, it's a spoiler, but it the fun of the movie is that it's just a big dumb sci-fi spectacle thing. There's it, it's like they they all so Cassie, Ant Man's daughter, creates a device that lets her scan the microverse, which is the thing she was working on during the blip because. Ant-Man was lost down in the microverse for, you know, however long. Uh, the five years, whatever. Because time is weird down there. But for that gap, he was gone and she created this device to try to look for him. And so she's showing it off and then they realize, oh no, it's sending a signal down there. Which is picked up by Kang who uses, like, reverse engineers it to pull them all down into the microverse. And so they're separated for a while. So it's like Ant-Man and Cassie are off meeting this group of like resistance aliens who are forming their rebel alliance to fight back against Kang. And um, Hank and Janet and um, uh, Hope, you know, the Wasp, they're all... Get eaten um, by the blob. In... Yeah, not yet. The, the blob hasn't been introduced. They gotta wait for the X-Men movie for that. But the three of them are off in the city not realizing, you know, how much of a threat Kang is. Like, Janet kind of knows, because she met him previously when she was trapped down here for decades. Um, but, you know, it's like a, a slow reveal of, oh no, it's Kang and he's the bad guy and this is why. Uh, he wants to go conquer the multiverse because like every version of Kang believes that he's the only good Kang and that it's his duty to save the multiverse from all the other versions of himself except I guess all of the other versions that show up in the credits they all just seem to be working together and completely fine with that so I don't know uh, I hate multiverse stuff now <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm tired of it <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, the, there's, the stakes aren't great. It's all kind of a mess, but as a big, dumb, silly ride, I was, you know, along for it. Especially because MODOK is there. And I've loved MODOK ever since watching the Iron Man cartoon back in the 90s, when this weird, 
you know, big head little body guy was flying around in his hover chair, and here he is, he's on the big screen, and he's as you know, stupid of a character design as he's always been, and I love it. Yeah, um, but he wasn't Bruce Campbell, so what's the point? Well, I mean, it can't all be Bruce Campbell. He's he's already been cast as Pizza Papa <laughs> in uh, the MCU. <laughs> He's going to be the Phase 8 villain. I can see it now. Yeah. Yeah, they'll reveal that Pizza Papa was another version of uh, Kang or something. I don't know. Let's see. Who who would be the next, like, big Marvel villain? Galactus, I guess? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. Yeah, I mean, uh, Galactus is definitely on the scale you know, it feels like it would have to be someone who is like an Avengers, an Avengers level, level threat. You could say the, the memes. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, event, but also, you know, a, a villain from the Avengers series, which I'm not as familiar with. Like, I, I always liked like Spider-Man, X-Men. I didn't get into as much, but you know, I liked the movies. You know, like X-Men. Like, I don't know, Spider-Man, among Marvel characters, Spider-Man's, like, threats he deals with tend to be more, you know, city-level. Yeah. It, Aside from, like, the Venom group, uh, and the weird vampire multiversal bullshit of Spider-Verse, um, most of his villains are just, like, fellow science experiments gone wrong or street-level thugs. Um, the X-Men are all over the place. I, I forgot to talk about it last episode. I, on a whim, I guess, decided to watch the whole first season of Wolverine and the X-Men, which was like a late 2000s X-Men cartoon that I'd seen a couple episodes of years ago. But I watched the whole first season, and it just goes so many places. I think... That, you know, there's like... Is that know, the one with Steve Bloom as po- Wolverine? Yeah. I mean, I I know he was yeah. Wolverine and like a lot of stuff at this point, but I think I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I mean the show was decent, but also it's like it starts off. There's an explosion at the X Mansion because, of course, there always is. Um, <laughs> and Xavier and Jean Grey are gone, presumed exploded by whatever it was that blew up the mansion. Presumed exploded um, as a. <laughs> But then Xavier <laughs> nice turns start. up on Genosha, uh, Magneto's island, and so they go and recover him, but he's comatose, but he, in the future, after he's awakened from the coma, is living in like the future apocalypse where sentinels walk the earth, and what remains of human civilizations are in these like cities where all the mutants are put into camps with these like M-scars scratched onto their faces and um and so he's like sending psychic messages back in time to his comatose body to speak to wolverine to tell him that he needs to lead the x-men to prevent this dark future from coming true and then as more and more shit unfolds throughout the season it's like oh but also that we're doing dark phoenix saga and we're doing um master mold and then it sets up Apocalypse at the end, and there's just... Like, it didn't even do, like, Savage Land, which is another, you know... Like, X-Men just... it 
it started off as this you know pretty simple straightforward allegory about prejudice that it's this group of people who are different and society hates them for it and they have to band together to stop other people like them who want to lash out at society for you know hating people like them um, you know it, it's like a, a pretty basic like civil rights allegory um, and then along the way it just added you know we've got the savage land which is primal civilization in Antarctica with like dinosaurs and stuff and we've got apocalypse who's like the first mutant and he's from ancient egypt but also he's like a kind of a robot man i don't know <laughs> what what his deal is and then we've got the shiar and you know aliens and the phoenix force and the, just all kinds of weird comic book shit got mixed up in x-men because they didn't know what to do with the premise after a while i guess um yeah after after and, it wasn't and then avengers is yeah, after it wasn't about civil rights, it just became about bullshit, basically. Yeah, it just, you know, it, it I guess kind of like Silver Age DC, it just took a sci-fi bender and stayed yeah. there. Um, but, um, and I guess even like the Venom stuff in Spider-Man, it, it still started off fairly simple, that it's just, oh, it's just this one alien symbiote, which I guess, yeah, he got during Secret Wars, which is the big weird crossover they did but you know they, they retcon it to make it simpler to say like oh it's just this one symbiote and it came on a, on a space shuttle and now it's here and you know it, it took a while before you know now venom is like the god of the planet of the symbiotes which is a title that he took from the previous god of the symbiotes and uh, yeah but so avengers is at least for me like a, a step beyond my understanding of x-men of like there, there's just so many avengers villains and arcs and stuff that i have no idea about because i didn't really watch any of their cartoons that much so i don't know which plot lines are like the quintessential ones you know like thanos came out of left field for me when that became the thing and Kang, it makes sense. Like they, at least they did Kang in one of the Lego video games before he became a movie villain. So I, I kind of know what his deal is. Yeah, um, and I know Galactus from Fantastic Four. Yeah, but uh, also it but. feels like once you go to the multiverse, like there's no scaling down. <laughs> um, like you, mm. you know, like it, where where do you go from there? Yeah, unless the resolution of the multiverse is to close off the multiverse again and get back to like each timeline being separate. Yeah, and then it's like what what's the right. point? <laughs> like yeah. what's the point of the whole thing? Yeah. Well, I mean it's they're kind of barreling through all of the biggest things they've done in the comics. So Yeah. They're gonna run out of plot lines eventually, anyway. Like even the comic books themselves have mostly been like rehashing old plot beats. Oh yeah, I mean when they're, <laughs> I'm gonna make fun of the the name Final Crisis. Like I, I know that's a DC thing, mm. but still, 
Yeah, yeah. DC, it's a crisis every five years. Yeah. <laughs> With Marvel, they've done like Secret Wars, Same. new Secret Wars, Secret Wars Two, um, like Secret Invasion, Civil War, Civil War Two. Um, yeah, it's like you know they've got they did their big events and then they they just keep hearkening back to those with new titles that are like a slight twist on them yeah so the the only room they really have to expand is to keep going into more and more niche characters that people don't like that they've been you know saying they're going to do nova for a long time and they set that up in guardians 1 and still haven't done anything with it so I don't know if Nova's ever gonna get a movie or a show, um, and I don't know like a lot of you know the the lesser known characters, uh, you know they I'm sure have good storylines, but because they never caught on, you know that much in the first place, like they can't all be like Guardians, where I think like Guardians caught on because the director was so good at telling their story yeah you know where like i think captain marvel's been kind of a mixed bag on you know how much people care about that one and you know eternals crashed and burned really good i know other people didn't necessarily think it was as good um i love moon moon knight's my favorite disney plus thing yeah yeah, it'd be nice um, if it just got a movie I, or something, because I think any of the Disney Plus shows, yeah. people tend not to put as much like thought into those. Yeah. I think WandaVision is like the only Disney Plus thing that like feels like a show. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And not just like a cut-down movie. Yeah. Or a, a extended movie, rather. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, th- I think She-Hulk is pretty episodic to its... Uh, that's fair. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, a lot Out of the ones I've seen, though. Stretched out movies. Yeah. And I mean, that's the... Not to go off on a tangent, but that's the same problem with Star Wars. It's like... You know... Like, some of the side movies failed, so they stopped making side movies, but... Mm. Um, now they're just making side movies that they've turned into shows, yeah, like really long shows, yeah. That that they don't have the writing to fill the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cause yeah, the, any like the six episode miniseries definitely. The Mandalorian, I think, is does a better job of being episodic while also telling a broader story. Um, the latest season of the bad batch has been going on and that one's had the opposite problem where a lot of the episodes just feel like filler because it's a standalone episode that does so little to advance a main plot that it's just like oh okay this feels like something you would have made to put on tv to fill a time slot for you know this day of the week um yeah. Although the most recent episode that you know, just came out this week, at least that one has like some little hints that something is happening 
to move the story forward and it's not just oh another misadventure this week um we got sent off on a job and job went wrong and we had to get out of there and and that's that's it which is what most of the episodes have been it's like either that or just you know some little character piece of like you know the empire's on the rise and clones are being phased out and they're not you know not sure how to feel about that yeah i mean yeah i mean i'm i'm assuming bad batch was actually like started as a show though like as an extension of clone wars or rebels yeah no it it, and, it got like a backdoor pilot in season seven of clone wars um you know the first half of season seven of clone wars is uh an arc featuring the bad batch to set up their spin-off show which is the the only current you know 3d cartoon they have going um and then the the second half of season seven was basically like a movie split into four parts of um ahsoka's story happening at the same time as revenge of the sith Hmm. at least that one makes sense yeah (laughs) you know like timing wise yeah the um i mean i feel like i think i've said it before i feel like the end of season five of clone wars was a perfectly good ending to that show but then after it ended and and that you know and what they'd said when the show first came out it was supposed to be a hundred episodes and by the end of season five there were at least a hundred episodes and by the end you know at the end of season five it's you know ahsoka walking away from the jedi order which is a satisfying conclusion to the setup of the the movie that kicked it off like here's ahsoka she's clearly not around in the next movie who knows what happened to her maybe she dies um and having her walk away is like okay that's a good ambiguous way to end the character we know why she's not around in anything afterward but there's still room to come back for side stuff um but then after season five ended they started saying oh no we got canceled too soon look at all these scripts we had with all these ideas we didn't get to do and so then netflix renewed them for a season six and that was just a lot of weird stuff um and then they you know ended again and then disney brought them back again for a season seven to put like no this is actually the end of the clone wars now we actually have a story happening at the same time as episode three so this is really the end for real this time we're not you know going to keep saying oh no we had a script it's got the yuzhan vong in it this time it's definitely gonna happen (laughs) um yeah then then they just made a different animated show yeah well yeah now they're the bad batch it's a spin-off of clone wars it's continuing with you know what you know the, the focus on clones as characters um but it's you know a different group of characters and it's basically their dark time i i guess their da- early dark times series you know the period between episode three and four like bad batch is the early part of that and rebels is the later part of that Mm-hmm. so yeah they're just yeah they're continuing to fill in parts of the timeline that uh previously had been filled in but were nuked by disney to make way for new <laughs> things to fill them in right man you remember force unleashed that was that was cool mm. 
<laughs> yeah. Remember when that was like the the bridge between the prequels and original trilogy? Yeah. It's the Force Unleashed. Yeah. Well, yeah, there this, was the Force like, Unleashed. Weird over there, the top. Yeah, there was this, a, action. a comic book called The Dark Times that also dealt with it. Like, a lot of those stories, people wanted to tell them, but they weren't allowed to until episode 3 came out. And then, you know, the gates opened and they were allowed to start telling stories in that time period. And then Force Unleashed became the big one. You know, their big crazy action video game that uh, I think is actually set like two years before A New Hope. You know, aside from the flashback scene at the start. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird that the whole Rebel Alliance came together in two years, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get. Yeah, it's like there were Rebel cells around, but they uh, came together as an alliance using the family crest of this weird Jedi who was also Vader's secret apprentice. Yeah, it makes sense, don't worry. <laughs> Star Wars is dumb, and that's fine. <laughs> it's always been yeah, dumb. I mean, it's been like, dumb since the start, and they shouldn't try to make it not dumb. Yeah, like, y you can you can have, like, a dramatic story and a dumb thing, and that doesn't mean, like, the dramatic story is dumb. Mm. But it also doesn't mean that the the thing as a whole is not dumb mm. <laughs> if that makes any <laughs> if that makes any amount of sense yeah i mean yeah like andor is actually a smart you know quality star wars story and it can coexist in the same universe where jar jar binks is doing the temple of doom in clone wars i haven't gotten to that episode yet i i guess yeah <laughs> we, i haven't even mentioned it. so i after we talked about potentially rewatching Clone Wars last time, I decided to just start doing it. So, I started a thread. It's in the media box. If you click the threads tab, you can find it. It's just me and Brent right now because unlike the Disney thread, nobody gives a fuck about Clone Wars or seeing me rant about it. Yeah. Um, but I, well, I I watched I think it's it's I think it's also that you made that in the middle of a conversation so it got buried in like two minutes yeah probably but anybody listening to this who wants to see my ramblings about the entirety of season one and the start of season two because i'm on season two now um about clone wars you know i i preface the whole thing with what i've said before that i didn't like the show and am now trying to be charitable in watching it and not just immediately hate everything about it. Um, season 1 was better than I remember. Like, the animation looks better than I remember. Maybe because I'm watching on Blu-ray. I don't know. But it, it doesn't look as bad. Um, the acting isn't that bad. I think Ahsoka's kind of annoying. But most of the other characters... The acting's decent. Um... It seems like it wasn't until season two that they started really over animating the expressions and the gestures. So, like, season one doesn't feel as awkward as, you know, the, like, all the 3D shows, I guess, from season two onward are, where 
you know it, it it's almost like uh, uh, uncanny valley kind of a thing of like well hmm. so in season one it's like okay yeah these are like digital puppets that are talking and I can accept that but then with season two it's like well there's still digital puppets that are talking but they worked out the eyebrow technology so now everyone's got really expressive eyebrows and they're all waving their hands around every time they talk in ways that's like you don't need to make broad hand gestures to get your point across I, I get it just from the dialogue and you know the the camera positioning and stuff you don't also need to have someone like pointing at you know whatever it is or i don't know it, it it's a quirk of the show that i i think probably gets worse as it goes on but i'm re-watching and i'm trying to um give it a fair shake while i'm doing that um but yeah i mean season one was for the most part better than i remembered Yeah, like General Grievous is bad in general. Yeah, um, yeah. Grievous gets his know, ass kicked week after week to the point that when that Lair of Grievous episode happens, it's Dooku basically gave the address to Grievous's house to a couple Jedi, and he's like, "Hey, go crash <laughs> he Grievous!" Him. Yeah, he's like, "Go crash Grievous's house. I want to see him beat you up to prove he doesn't suck," and he kills the apprentice, but can't kill the master. He kills. Spongebob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he kills the lousy apprentice. <laughs> the master gets away. You know, Kit Fisto. He, he escapes. And so Dooku's like, oh, well, I, I figured you could take out a young Jedi. I, I was hoping you would have gotten both of them. I guess you're not that good after all. And Angry was just scowls, because that's all he does in this show. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the villains aren't that threatening. And then you get to the end of season two, and they're like, well, we've undercut our villains so hard, we need to introduce some new villains, so here's some bounty hunters. Because in this galactic war between the Republic and the Separatists, the scariest thing is a cowboy with uh, just a good <laughs> shot. But a blue cowboy. Yeah, yeah blue cowboy with the, with who... A weird voice. Yeah, who is more menacing than like oh he actually tortured someone to death how scary um because yeah, I, I don't know anakin would do that in a heartbeat yeah anakin gets like halfway there with poggle in season two which is actually a legit good it was a scene i remembered liking and it's still pretty good i mean they, they kind of undercut it a little bit by having characters like shine a spotlight on it which is you know another thing the show does like they it's a show for kids and it's written like it's for kids like they you know even when they do you know some of like the grimmer moments of like characters getting killed or whatever they, they'll still have like dialogue to either undercut you know th there's like a part in early season one where like a bunch of clone troopers are in an escape pod and it gets drilled open and they all get sucked out into space and die and then battle droids the battle droids that did it you know make a silly quip because it's a kid's show and we don't want them to be that scared you know we you know undercut scary yeah. moments either with a joke or if it's actually supposed to be a thing you you know like when 
Cad Bane tortures that Jedi to death in season two, the battle droid is sad about it. And it's, you know, like a thing, I don't know, it just, it feels like, like they don't trust the audience to feel the right emotions, so they have to do things with, like, characters and dialogue to, you know, tell you how to feel about things, I guess. Yeah, like, maybe the, maybe the robot isn't the one you want. Um, verbalizing the feelings. Yeah, you want the audience to feel. Oh yeah, I mean, it's like the battle droids, and that. But on the the scene, you know, Anakin is trying to get Poggle to tell him, um, the, you know, how to rescue Ahsoka from the Geonosian caverns, um, and he won't talk, and so he like sends everyone else out of the room and starts force choking him while Darth Vader music plays, um, and then when he goes back to the bridge like obi-wan and i think luminara are there and he's like okay i got the information and they're like how did you get that information he's like it doesn't matter i got the information let's go and so that they have like the jedi you know making you know, like clearly they know anakin broke the rules and did something he shouldn't have and they express that but he brushes it off which is like fine character moment but also kind of feels like they don't trust the audience to understand the weight of what Anakin did. They have to have the characters vocalize it. Um, so, I don't know. But I think it's just yeah, an issue of the intended demographic of the show and trying to write it around um, that expectation. Yeah, I remember there's a there's an episode like later i i don't i don't have any um idea of what season it's in but it's like with uh obi-wan and sabine and there's like a hostage situation Mm. and anakin just comes up from behind and stabs him in the back um Mm. like literally stabs him in the back that that might be season two Oh, is well, it? I'll find out. It, it would be on the next disc if it is. Yeah, it, it, that might have been part of the Mandalorian four-parter from season two. Yeah, I, I'm just not sure if it's that one or a later one because I know there's multiple um, Mandalorian like arcs. Yeah, I mean the one in season five is the one where Sabine just dies, so I don't think it was that one. Um, right. <laughs> I think it might have like season two. I th- I think part two of that was like Sabine is or Satine Sabine is the rebels one Satine was on um, like a ship or something and then there was like a traitor aboard or something and I think Anakin and Obi-Wan were on that one but anyway you were were saying he stabs someone in the back and makes a joke about it I assume yeah he stabs stabs a guy in the back and Obi-Wan's just like Anakin and like a disappointed um, voice, rascal. and yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Anakin's just like, "What? He's gonna blow up the ship?" And then they don't talk about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's like it, it's it's the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, I get it. They're they're showing that you know he's turning to the dark side or whatever. Um, but also, it's just kind of lame in context because it's like. Yeah, 
and I can laugh track. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, cue cue closing music. Yeah, and Anakin's characterization is kind of odd. Like we know how he is as a person in season or in episode two and episode three of the movies. That he's you know the headstrong, you know, just rushing into trouble. You know when people talk to him, he's just whiny. Um, you know, just kind of an idiot. And in Clone Wars, you know, they didn't want to make him as insufferable, so they you know didn't make him that bad. But when he's around Ahsoka, I, I get maybe, and maybe it's because you know it, it's him like the age difference and stuff that like when he's around ahsoka he has to act more paternal the you know he has to like actually like obey orders and give orders and tell her you know you know when your commanding officer says to do something you need to do it even though that's clearly not what i do and not the example i set for you um (laughs) that you know he acts like a good responsible person around her and then around other people he still generally acts like a good responsible person but he's a little more willing to break the rules which is kind of his whole deal of just breaking the rules whenever he feels like it but yeah yeah, they i don't know yeah like because like they they can't they obviously can't give him away right Mm. um but then it's like all they can do is just slightly foreshadow it even though it's not foreshadowing because we already know yeah and uh, like in episode it, it, two you know the anakin in that was you know anger problems anakin and then by episode three he's still you know well that's when he like tips over into the dark side anakin but i guess yeah. he had like a good streak for the years in between but also it's also weird that like where the clone wars this show kicks off and it, i know part of it is because disney hadn't bought them and decanonized the old 2d show yet um that where this show kicks off anakin is already in his episode 3 outfit he doesn't have the ponytail anymore you know he's clearly not a padawan he's a knight now um and like ventress is around she's just around and has some flirty thing with obi-wan for some reason that didn't make sense even with the micro series because they'd never met before i don't know what the deal is with her flirting with obi-wan every time they're in the room together but um but yeah it's like there's a gap between the end of episode two and the start of the clone wars show and that gap i don't know if I mean, maybe there's a new book or comic or something that fills that in, but that, like that gap just exists because there were all these other Clone Wars stories before the show came out, so they didn't have to fill in that gap. But then, you know, now they needed to make a movie to cross over with Episode Three because they wanted to make sure they filled in the timeline or whatever. I don't know. It's just it, it's weird. It's like you get this one yeah. break of stories you didn't tell but felt the need to fill in this other story you didn't tell (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're basically just going in circles at this yeah, point. Yeah, like, I'm trying to figure out yeah. how to transition out of talking about Star Wars, because I mean, I've already got a thread going. If you're, if anyone listening to this is interested in seeing my breakdown ramblings, I, I don't list what episode it is I'm referring to a lot of the time, or what moment of an episode. I am watching them in order, but hopefully there's enough context to the things I'm saying on there that it's not completely out of nowhere when I bitch about something or I'm trying I'm trying to praise things where I can because I don't want to just be complaining about it the entire time I'll just complain about it I don't care mm. yeah I mean I guess nobody's watching <laughs> I mean, I... so I don't need to make an effort to be nice to it but yeah, I mean, I generally like the show, so I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not just gonna shit on it anyway, but you know, yeah. it it's it's whatever. Yeah. Um. Tell us how you really feel. Uh. It it's an okay show, and I I think a lot of my dislike might just be that it didn't live up to the micro series or a lot of the other Star Wars stuff I was reading at the time I think Rise of Skywalker has lowered my expectations so much that the show is decent now <laughs> um, you know that there are much worse things to compare it to but yeah Clone Wars makes the prequels decent. Mm. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like at least the prequels are short, but they're they're mostly nostalgia and memes, and not as much, you know. And I and the music's good, but yeah, the the stories. Oh are yeah, meh. Um. Yeah, I I actually like the like. The overall story, like the overarching story of the prequels, I really like. Mm. It's just like the the moment to moment dialogue and you know weird decisions that yeah hurts the. Prequels. I mean, even the overall is you know th there's some baffling storytelling decisions there of like why is Episode One. 10 years before episode 2 with Anakin as a kid why not have if this is about Anakin's turn to the dark side which happens over the course of the Clone Wars why not have the first one be the start of the Clone Wars second one be the middle of the Clone Wars and third one be the end and have the you know like the original trilogy is set over a span of four years it's three years between New Hope and Empire and one year between Empire and Jedi so you know, they could have had something similar of, like, you know, four or five years of the Clone Wars are raging, and have all the stories set during that with Anakin just as a young adult for the entire thing, instead of, like, oh, we found him when he was a kid, and, um, and then, you know, dealt with a trade blockade at this one planet for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, I mean, it's a weird they, decision to put episode one where they did. Or like they could have just, uh, you know, had a an intro mm. <laughs> where they show you like him as a kid. Mm. 
Like they, they didn't need to make it the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. George Lucas is uh George Lucas, so Yeah. I mean, I guess while we're talking Star Wars, I should also throw in Mandalorian season three kicked off this week. It's a good episode yeah. that mostly serves to set up the rest of the season and also rehash all the stuff from Book of Boba Fett about, you know, the armorer saying, you took your mask off, you shouldn't have done that, now you're in exile until you go and bathe in the living waters under the mines of Mandalore, except you can't get to the living waters in the mines of Mandalore because the whole planet got glassed by the Empire. So good luck doing that. Um, and, yeah, so that's his main quest for season two. Or season three. It was set up during Book of Boba Fett, but in case you didn't see that, there's a little bit of previously on, and then they pretty much do that whole dialogue again when he goes to Mandalore, or not Mandalore, what, whatever planet the Death Watch is on now. They're not on the ring world that they were on in Book of Boba Fett. They've, I guess, relocated somewhere else and started getting new recruits because they're doing like a, an armor ceremony for a bunch of young Mandalorians and making them promise never ever to take their helmets off or else. Um, but then they get attacked by a giant crocodile and then Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, has to swoop in and save them from that even though he's exiled and they tell him, like, no, you're exiled, you shouldn't be here to save our asses from, you know, this dumb ceremony we decided to do by a riverbed where giant crocodiles live. Um, and also you gotta go bathe in these waters that you can't get to. Uh, so. Yeah, so that's like the start of the episode. And then the other conflicts they set up are... So he goes back to Navarro. Um, where uh, Carl Weathers is the uh, like magistrate now. He's got like a... This big... He's got a, a cape that is so big that he's got these little droids... You know, rolling around behind him carrying the cape so it doesn't touch the ground. And it's adorable. Um, but, yeah, nice. they show how far Navarro's come now that the Empire's not in charge of it. And, you know, things are, like, peaceful and nice. And Mando wants to get... Um, so, apparently, IG-11, the, the droid from Season 1, even though it's self-destructed with a bomb inside of its chest its torso and head and like shoulder survived and they built a statue out of it and he wants to put that droid back together because somehow it's going to help him to explore mandalore um so he starts putting it back together but finds its memory chip is corrupted and it only remembers being a bounty hunter and wanting to kill grogu and doesn't remember anything after that so he has to get a new memory chip for it or something um also, he, he takes it to the Anzellans, which are the species that Babu Frick from Rise of Skywalker is. Like, one of the few good, fun parts of that movie. They, they brought those little guys back to be the mechanics. To, I do not remember who that is at all. He, he's the little <laughs> puppet guy who goes, hey, hey! And, um, and that's pretty much... He doesn't... He, he talks in, like, rambling babble, but... Um, it's the one who fixes C-3PO, uh, or not fixes, he, he modifies C-3PO so he can, you know, speak the tongue of Mordor for a brief moment before, uh, 
you know, having his memory wiped and then immediately put back by R2, so it's like nothing happened. I will take your word for it because I apparently don't remember any of that movie, which I will take as a blessing. Uh, I'm sure you remember that Ray is all the Jedi. <laughs> yes, and I that do. Somehow Palpatine returned, <laughs> yeah, and Kylo Ren got all the pieces of his helmet back together so they could, you know, glue it back together with their red super glue. Yeah. Oh, and Chewie died, but no. Yeah, no, really. he was on the other carrier when Ray blew up the carrier. Um, <laughs> no, there is another. <laughs> yeah, and then Ray and Kylo teamed up and teleported lightsabers behind their backs, like some kind of magic trick. And, uh, and then after Palpatine died, uh, Kylo kissed Ray back to life and then died. Uh, their whole romance yeah. is just a train wreck. Yeah. yeah, and that all happened after they had a big fight on the ruins of the Death Star, which was in the ocean, which they'd found with a knife that was shaped like the ruins of the Death Star for some reason. An ancient knife that was shaped like the Death Star ruins. <laughs> um, but yeah, they found it and they, the they had a big fight and then uh, Leia use the force to basically stop Kylo for a second so Ray could run him through with a lightsaber and kill both of them but then he came back because she he I think he yeah I think Ray healed him I think and then he had like a vision of Han Solo's ghost because I mean it's the last movie I guess even they've regretted killing Han two movies ago but yeah i mean it was kind of yeah anyway okay. i'm not i'm not gonna yeah, get into trying, my trying um, to get off the topic of star wars and it just keeps going yeah i'm not gonna get into my the force awakens criticism here mm-hmm. <laughs> um speaking of star wars okay. um indian movies <laughs> oh is that connected to star wars not at all it's it's about as good of a transition as your uh, episode yeah, intro it's, was. It's acceptable. <laughs> we, we just need to move on. See, you lower your expectations, and then you can pull shit like this off, yep. right? Um. So, Jade, have you ever have you have you ever heard of the movie RRR? Many, 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 many times. I don't have Netflix. I haven't. If I had Netflix, I would watch it. It sounds fun, but not fun enough for me fun. to sign up for Netflix. Fair. But, I only did it because there were several I things mean, on I, Netflix I wanted to I've watch. I've seen other big, silly three-hour Bollywood action movies that were fun. So I kind of like. So from what I've heard from people talking about it, it's about Indian Revolution against Britain. And it's starring two muscle-bound brothers and some... I don't know if the tiger is a main character or just there for, like, one cool fight. But there's something about a tiger. (laughs) And it's, yeah, these two guys and they're just, you know, killing all these British Imperial soldiers. 
And then it ends with something that is, I guess, kind of iffy if you understand India and recognize it as, like, a political... I don't know. I, I, I guess at the end it turns into, like, a Jerry Bruckheimer propaganda thing. But, um... But, yeah, it sounds fun. It... Yeah, okay, so to answer a few of your questions, um, the movie is extremely fun. It's it's just engaging all the way through like whether it's a, you know ridiculously over the top action scene or the ridiculously over the top dancing scene mm. or um, do they do an action dancing scene the weirdly um No, they didn't, uh, but they could have. Maybe in the sequel. They could have pulled it off. Yeah. <laughs> R-R-R-R-R. It's a pirate movie hmm. now. Um, yeah, but like, even, even like the, the melodrama between the, like all the over-the-top action sequences is pretty compelling. Hmm. Um... But yeah, what what you said about the end, like it is, <laughs> it is basically just like Indian nationalist propaganda, yeah. um, like like extreme, like it w- it makes the it makes the tours that Captain America did in in his first movie seem subtle, <laughs> <laughs> like it it is that it is it goes that hard <laughs> into it. Mm. Um, and what it, it it's it's kind of a weird place to draw the line though because you know you think like oh they're you know they're in this whole thing to you know get the british out that's nice mm. um that's cool everybody hates the british empire yeah. um and then it gets to the end <laughs> and it's just like hey yeah india join the army (laughs) yeah and i guess Um, you know there's enough american movies that are basically that that yeah whatever yeah even top gun is kind of yeah like i'm yeah like i'm i'm not i'm not saying this just to you know make like in i'm not saying don't join the indian army (laughs) I'm, I'm just saying maybe um, think about it a little more and you know don't join the Indian Army because of a three-hour movie. Mm. Um, yeah, the rest of it's really good though. Mm. Um, so something about a tiger? They make just like one, one scene of a tiger. Or? Yeah, the the tigers in t- two scenes. Um, the first scene where. Okay, so I'll I'll set up the characters. There's one who is uh, a member of the British military police. Um, basically, he, he, I mean, he's basically a glorified security guard um, against possible, you know, Indian revolutionaries. Mm. Um, but. Y- I guess I'll spoil it. I mean, the 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 point of the movie is not 
the like the intrigue that the characters are hiding. No, like you kind of know the where it's going. And so. The big silly action is at least from what I've yeah. heard. Um, yeah, but it it turns out oh he's like he's been a revolutionary since he was like eight years old and learned to fire a gun. Mm. So um, yeah, his his whole goal is to rise in the ranks enough to where he gets to decide. Um, like where all the guns are being delivered so he can steal a shipment and arm a bunch of revolutionaries Mm. Um, and there's another guy who um, he's basically just like a tribal warrior um, like from a tribe in the jungle like a, a remote tribe in the jungle who has almost nothing to do with the British Empire at all but um, the the governor of Delhi steals a girl from their village, um, and so he's basically got to revenge her uh, back mm. <laughs> into the village. So, and that's the setup. Um, so they they meet each other while. Um, I'm trying to remember the names. I'm not. I'm not very good at remembering foreign names unless it's Japanese, just because I'm used yeah, to. Yeah, probably if you um, watched with subtitles, it'd be easier because then you would have seen their names written. Yeah. Times. Let's see. I think the the tribal warrior's name is Beam, um, and the the one who's posing as an officer is or a soldier is um is it ram or ramu i I don't remember i'm just gonna call him ram um so ram's basically going undercover trying to find he's basically going double undercover Mm. (laughs) um to like try to find the leader of the resistance who they they think is um beam Mm. and beam is basically going undercover to try to sneak in the governor's palace to steal back the child that they Mm. stole um so of course they meet each other they become best friends like basically overnight uh there is a a very entertaining scene (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like a, a montage of of them becoming best mm. friends um where they're they're like driving motorcycles and riding horses together um it it should be homoerotic but it's not very mm. much <laughs> you know like speak speaking of top gun yeah um, it's not a shirtless volleyball scene no they do get shirtless later, but that's a that's a different thing. Mm. Um, uh, but anyway, where the tiger comes in is uh, in his introduction. Beam is trying to—he's basically trying to capture animals for his plan later. Um, so he basically lures a tiger, and he's running—he's shirtless, running away from a tiger. Um, 
and he and his friends catch the tiger in a net and do you remember the Captain America Civil War helicopter scene yeah it's it's pretty much like that where like they've got the tiger in a net but um, whatever counterweight they were using on the net broke so beam just has like two ends of the rope and he's he's basically like got to tie them together like while the tiger is pulling on him mm. um so it's basically just that like his muscles rippling in the middle of the jungle uh, so yeah um and then the way they use the tiger later is um when beam is storming the governor's mansion about halfway through the way he does that is he drives through the gate with um, a large truck filled with predatory animals um, including the tiger Mm. Um, so he just crashes down the gate releases all the animals and they just start massacring British imperial soldiers um but of course they're animals so they're attacking everybody um mm. and at one point the tiger attacks beam he catches it and then throws it at, <laughs> at a soldier <laughs> it's amazing um like i don't i there's no words i can use to describe like how interesting the action in this movie is uh, just mm-hmm. all the way through too like there's there's no boring action scenes it's just ridiculous over the top anime type bullshit um, but yeah that's the kind of movie it is it's, it's just and yet yeah you know there's the whole thing at the end where like well hmm yeah, I'm not gonna spoil anymore. Watch it. It's it's really good. Just watch it eventually once you get Netflix again. Oh, I'm, I'm any... just waiting for a DVD. I'm sure Netflix yeah, usually puts stuff on. You know, because I want to see Glass Onion, but I can wait for a DVD. And I've heard enough people talk about how great RRR is that I I do want to watch it. It does seem like it's getting a lot of acclaim. Like I think I heard. At the Oscars, they're going to be playing a song from RRR. I don't know if it's actually up for any awards, but they're, you know, doing one of the songs from it as, like, a live performance thing. I wonder which one it is. Yeah, I I don't remember. It could be the big dance number one, maybe? I don't know. That would be... That would make for a great show. Mm. Because they they are they are kind of now that you say it they are kind of like fight dancing, mm. where they're they're like dancing on one leg until somebody falls, and um, Ram takes a dive because the the party that they're at um, they were invited by uh, a British girl who Beam likes, mm. so he takes a dive for his bro. What what a guy. Mm. <laughs> like the, their friendship is so wholesome until they have to fight each other because they're on they think they're on opposite sides mm. and they were 
closer than brothers, and now they have to fight each other. Yeah, it's it's just like Ace Combat Zero. Mm. They're two sides of the same coin, but they never face the same direction until they do. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like the the translated lyrics for the their friendship montage is is basically just like. Uh, They're they're opposites, but they get along, <laughs> um, mm. and 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 what will happen when they find out like stuff like that? It's like like everybody knows where it's going. It, it's just are you prepared for what you'll see when it gets there? Mm. Is it dubbed uh, or is it just subs? Um, it, it's it's weird because when. On, on Netflix, it's like, you know, of course it defaults to English. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know if it was supposed to be recorded in English and they just dubbed it over, like they dubbed over the actors. Mm. Like they like like an old spaghetti western. Or if there's... Because, like, there, there's a... There is a Hindi language um, selection for it but it doesn't say that it's the original language like it would for like a japanese um yeah i mean show. i guess so if I, do the mouths fit when there's if they're speaking english through the whole thing only for the british actors or the okay. i mean I, I say british like the the governor and his wife don't have a british accent they have american accents hmm. okay <laughs> yeah so it probably is like a spaghetti western thing where they you know just let people speak whatever when filming like i yeah i i that's probably the case yeah you know like i've, I've talked before about the movie happy new year which i think i forgot to watch this year it, it's an, it's a lot of fun but it's also three hours um and that one yeah it's a bollywood movie and that one i guess because you know, i the, the best version i could find is probably a bootleg I, i'm not sure exactly where it came from but it is subtitled but the characters sometimes speak english in it because it's just you know i, I think that's just how it is in india like you mostly speak hindi but there's like a smattering of english that'll work its way in from time to time yeah i'm not quite as jarring uh, as like that anime star wars episode where you are okay is there uh <laughs> you know, big music lyric to get the crowd's attention oh so i'm just gonna let you in on on something um Apparently, at a certain point, the Japanese were really into Obama. Mm. So, like, in some anime dur during a certain time period, like, some characters, when they see, like, an American or something, they'll just say, yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny as shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, like, the, the English they use in Happy New Year, they also, you know, contextualize it to say that it's, like, 
you know, it, it marks you as like an upper class person. It's like, oh, you you have the sort of education where you also know English. You know, the big world trade language. Um, you know, the, if you know how to speak any sen, like the main character can speak full sentences in English, and that's a mark of like, yes, this guy is very educated. He, you know, has learned this language. Hmm. Yeah, I've, like I I know India is huge, um, and I'm not sure like how many countries are, uh, how many languages are spoken, um, like widely. Mm. Um. Yeah, I actually don't know that much about India now that I think about it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess next I'll look into Indian history. It might be interesting. Mm. Yeah, if it was involved in EU4, I'm sure you'd have learned a lot about it by now. Yeah. India is really fun to play in EU4. Um, <laughs> I, I don't... I shouldn't get into this because it's going to be a tangent that nobody, nobody understands. Mm. Um... I like playing Vagina Gar, and that's not how you say it, but it's kind of how you say it, so. Mm. Um, haha, I said vagina. There we go. That's mm. the joke. Yep. Um, I know where Delhi is, though. Mm. I, I know that it's somewhere in India. I know vaguely closer than that of where it is mm. I know a little bit about partition because that came up in Ms. Marvel and then I looked into it and realized oh shit that was uh, quite a thing that happened uh, in the 40s yeah um, yeah I don't know a lot about India but I know that there's like one of their biggest social social divisions is between um hindu and islam yeah um and that that's why pakistan exists yeah um, well yeah because it traces like i guess there wasn't that much of an issue between the two groups until the british moved in and the british you know just doing their thing of like oh we need to separate all the we gotta like categorize everything and separate everything and draw all these yeah. lines on a map that didn't exist before and then when they were leaving in the 40s they're like uh well okay so i guess there's more islamic people on this side and more hindu people on this side so we're just gonna move the line over here now and this is pakistan now and it, yeah. it just created a really violent horrible event as people were you know forced to move from place to place yeah, it's uh, <laughs> because the British suck. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, if it's we're basically gonna kill them with tigers in you know a big fun movie. Then sure, no, nobody needs to feel bad about that. Yeah, yeah. You see that that that's that's like what I was saying before. Like it, it's you know when when it's like oh this this big empire from half the world away, you know is is like running your your home country then it's like oh yeah fight back that's nice but then at, at the end when it's like 
here's all the revolutionaries in India that you should like ad- admire and mm. <laughs> you know it, it's like I don't know enough to say that you shouldn't admire them but I know enough to where I look at this and, and I'm like this is yeah, this <laughs> obviously is propaganda. propaganda for its region yeah yeah. yeah, like, I only brought that up because, you know, like, I've heard, um, see, I know the Flophouse talked about RRR, I think Weekly Planet talked about it, you know, a lot of people in the media box back when it was the current thing talked about it, so, you know, that was just, like, one of the points that always seemed to come up, is, like, this movie's a lot of fun, also there's this little bit at the end, but, yeah. I mean, when you when you think about it with the context, like, yeah, the whole thing is propaganda, but it, it's just so over the top that you can't really take it seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if you're not from the region, then it's a little easier to disassociate, um, Yeah, you know, that stuff. Yeah, like... Which is probably you, why, like, the Transformers movies did so good, like, internationally, because, you know the big dumb america propagandaness yeah. of it if you're not in america i'm saying eh, whatever you know big <laughs> robots and soldiers and shit yeah the the chinese love american propaganda yeah <laughs> is it funny how shit like that works and also oh. movies that take place in water for some reason like aquaman huh. made a billion dollars and a lot of that was from china i don't know how well avatar 2 did over there i I, i'm pretty sure it came out in china and i mean it's made like two billion dollars so it probably did fine in china but i know aquaman doing as well as it did a lot of that was from china just liking like oh it's a big visual spectacle underwater movie yeah I haven't seen Aquaman or Avatar 2, and I don't know if I want to. <laughs> Aquaman is not very good. It's it's long, and it's like three movies worth of plot packed into this one movie. Um, and you know, as as it is, it's just it it eh, I don't know. I didn't think it was that good. And I haven't seen Avatar 2. Yeah. I will watch it when it's free on Disney Plus, but I mean no rush. Yeah, I I used to watch movies like that on FX, but I don't watch TV anymore, so mm. maybe I'll just never see it. I mean, FX it probably won't be out for another three years because right. unless they've you know scaled up since I watched TV a decade ago. It usually takes about three years for new movies to come to cable. The only thing worth watching on FX is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm. I don't know what else is on there, but (laughs) I feel confident saying that. Mm. Um, Yeah. Other topics, the other things I have are uh, two video games that came out in February that I have well played through. So, okay, so um, at the last Nintendo Direct they announced Metroid Prime Remastered. Um, I think last episode I hadn't played it yet. I 
was waiting for the physical version to come out. And I guess it's in such limited supply that my Amazon order wasn't set to send till late March. But I found a physical copy at a local store, so I just bought it there and canceled the Amazon order. Um, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, it, it's just Metroid Prime again. Slightly Is it better. Just the first one? Yeah. It's just the first one. Graphics are slightly better. Controls have been updated, so it's like modern twin stick shooter. Um, the only like quirkiness to the controls are that. Uh, so it's like left stick to walk, right stick to look hold ZR to lock on or no, ZR is shoot, hold ZL to lock on um, the four directional buttons are your four visors and then to switch your guns you have to hold the X button and then do the four directional things. So that's a little quirky but you get used to it um, so it's it's you know it's good It it's Metroid Prime again um, I'm I just have to get one more artifact and then fight Ridley and then go into the crater. So uh, I've played through most you, of it. You fight Ridley in that game? Yep. Yeah, he, he shows up in the prologue, so it's not a spoiler. Also, the game's you know, 20 <laughs> years old now. So. Um, yeah, but I've never played it, so I can be surprised all I want. Yeah, yeah it is one of the 50% of Metroid games that feature Ridley. I would have thought it was higher, honestly. Oh, uh, let's see. Okay, let's. Metroid One has Ridley. Metroid Two does not. Super Metroid does. Um, I should track these on different hands instead of counting them on the same hand. Um, okay, <laughs> Super Metroid does. Uh, A look behind the glass. Fu- of Jade. Yeah, Metroid Fusion does. Well, I was starting to count like one, two, three for the games, but then I'm like, but I need to remember which ones have Ridley and which ones don't. Um, Metroid Fusion has Ridley, except at that point he's dead, but his body is preserved on ice and gets infected with X-Parasite, which creates a clone of him. So you're fighting a clone of Ridley, but it's still is Ridley. Um, Metroid Prime has Meta Ridley, which is Ridley who's been reconstructed as a cyborg, and the game happens before Fusion. So his body hasn't dissolved and been replaced by X-Parasites yet. Um, Prime 2... No Ridley. Prime 3 has Omega Ridley, which is an upgraded meta Ridley. Uh, I've run out of space on this hand. That's five games now. So we'll, we'll just remember, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, we've got five with and two without so far. Um, Federation Force, I don't think, has Ridley in it. I don't remember that game that well. Um, we're not going to count Prime Pinball. Uh, Prime Hunters doesn't have Ridley, so now we got five with four without. Um, Other M does have Ridley. It's a clone that is uh, just like a little baby and then grows into a big lizard. They're, they're doing kind of an alien thing with him in that one. Um, oh yeah, in that one. Yeah, in Other M. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, in that in that one, that's the one thing they're doing an alien thing with. Yeah, yeah, none of, none of the others. You know, his name is Ridley, and he's named after Ridley Scott, but, you know, none of the others. Uh, so we got six to four. Uh, Metro Dread doesn't have Ridley. Um, is that all of them? I think that might be all of them. So, yeah, so we got six with and five without. Nice. 
it's a sweet 56% or something. Yeah, it's not evenly divisible unless we count Metroid Prime Pinball, which I think does have Ridley, because that one is just Metroid Prime as a pinball game. Um, But then if we count Prime Hunters First Hunt, the demo version of Prime Hunters, that didn't have Ridley in it. I, I was wrong. It wasn't fifty six percent. It was fifty four and a half percent. So mm. you know, yeah. Fuck me, I guess. Yeah, I'll go back to math school and learn your decimals for elevenths. Um, <laughs> but yeah, fucking, fucking nerd. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Metroid Prime Remastered. It's fun. It's Metroid Prime again. Maybe we'll see Prime 2 or 3 get a remaster, or maybe Prime 4 come out before the Switch dies altogether. Uh, I don't know. They haven't promised anything on that. But the other game that just came out was Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, which is an updated port of Kirby's Return to Dreamland, which came out late in the Wii's lifetime, so... Like, I played it back on Wii, but I didn't really play it as much as, like, Kirby's Epic Yarn. I think by the time it came out, I had a 3DS, so, you know, there, I wasn't as focused on Wii anymore. Um, but, yeah, it, it feels, you know, so, uh, this is the third Kirby game on Switch. The first one was Kirby Star Allies. Which was like a side-scroller where you could have at least two-player, maybe four-player. Um, this this one is a four-player co-op. It It's the game that kind of new Super Mario Bro-ified the Kirby series of like, not, you know, like, making, like, streamlining the character models. So you've got just... You know, all the Kirby games since this game have had more or less the same character models and art style. Um, although, I think compared to the new Super Mario games, the Kirby games at least have done some different things. Like, Triple Deluxe has, like, the, the conceit is you're traveling through worlds up a giant beanstalk into the sky. And Planet Robobot was, like, a sci-fi, you know, robot game. Um, and... Yeah, but but this game it feels a lot like Star Allies, which is you know a game that came out like six years after maybe. Um, you know, it it's just a very straightforward Kirby platformer. Um, not a lot special going on with that, but they added a side mode that is honestly more fun than the main mode. Like I spent a lot more time playing that, which is. A collection of mini game, like ten mini games from past Kirby games, and you know they're just they're fun. They've got like achievements you can go for, um, and as you like collect points and achievements and stuff, you unlock masks that you can wear. That are like a lot of characters from past games have like a mask you can put on sometimes with sound effects of that character. So. I was playing uh, with the Marks mask for a while when I unlocked that one. Although now I'm I'm using Zero from Kirby Dream Land Three because I got that one and uh, you know, Zero from Ace Combat Zero. 
Well, if Zero from Ace Combat Zero was a white orb with a single red eye, and it, you know when you hit it enough times, the eye pops out and there's just blood everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that, that's the one I've been wearing. Um, it, you know, it's one of those nightmarish horror villains from the like secret villain end of a Kirby game. The the kind that only our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can <laughs> destroy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the the Kirby sixty four something about video had zero two at the end, which is so zero. At the end of Kirby Dreamland Three, um, it's a big white ball at the heart of the dark matter, and it's got a single red eye. And Kirby smacks it a bunch of times with his heart rod, and then uh, the eyeball pops out, and there's cartoon blood everywhere. And you have to like fight this eyeball that's just flying and bleeding everywhere. Um, I'm and then I'm pretty it, sure if I smacked if I smacked someone a lot with my heart rod, I'd be on the list. <laughs> Well, Kirby can get away with it because he has the power of Christ behind him. Um, but in Kirby 64, uh, the Dark Matter returns, and at the heart of that, it's Zero again, but he's now got, like, angel wings and a halo because it's his spirit form, you know, is since he died and came back or whatever. Kirby doesn't nice. explain its own lore. There's no text to anything. You just have to, like, you, you know read into things but yeah yeah it's it's that one that like that one i just i don't know it like struck me at a young age of like oh this you know cartoony cutesy kirby game and now there's this bleeding eyeball at the end um you know of of the horrific monsters it's you know one of the most memorable yeah i i've i've never played a kirby game all the way through but um I have seen a lot of the characters from them, <laughs> and I know it's it's either like, oh, here's a really cute bird man, or it's or it's like, here is the spawn of Satan. Yeah, um, no, those are always there's not much of an in between. Yeah, the hell spawn nightmare ones are always like, either a secret final boss or just like, it's. Like they're either the just regular final boss that you find by getting to the end of the game. Or it's... With Zero, it was a case of, like, you would get to the end of the game, you beat DDD, or the Dark Matter... There's a different Dark Matter core that you fight. But if you collect all of the hidden items in the game, you unlock the secret final boss, which is this, you know, horrible nightmare hellspawn thing. Awesome. Yeah. Yep, and you can get masks of them by playing carnival games and then wear those masks. So, that's fun. I played a bunch of that. I uh, beat the main story mode. There's a post-game epilogue where the villain, this little wizard guy named Magalore, who, he's your ally for most of the game, and then right at the end he betrays you, and he's like, haha, you did everything I wanted, and now I'm going to take all the power for myself, and I'm going to become the Nightmare Hellspawn thing. And then you beat him, and then he dies. Um, there's an epilogue where he is in, like, purgatory or something, and you're, like, traveling around, you know, doing platformer levels, but also collecting points that let you upgrade your skills, so there's, like, RPG elements to it, and it's, you know, his 
process of recovery from dying. So that that was neat. It's kind of short, but you know, it was fun. I think Magalore might have been one of the ones they'd put in Star Allies, so they already had all the mechanics for him. So they just you know, ported that into this. I can't wait for their Disney Plus show. Mm. The, the Magalorian. Yeah. And that can be the title. I'm so- I guess unless we come up with a better <laughs> title. <laughs> um, let's see. But yeah, that's that's everything I've played aside from uh, Power Wash Simulator just added their Final Fantasy 7 thing. So I did all of those. They, they were pretty short. You know, the, there's multiple missions. There's like you clean off a bike and a truck and the bar where Cloud and his friends hang out and a scorpion Is it tank. Final Fantasy 7 or the remake? I assume the models are lifted from the remake because they're all like high res. It's not blocky Boo. PS1 things. It should have been the original. Yeah. No, I mean you go to the the bar where Cloud and his group hang out, and like Cloud's sword is there, and it's all filthy, and you wash it off. And Barrett's gun is sitting on a table, and you wash that off, and and then you know, you wash the whole the whole bar. Um, and yeah, there's like a scorpion tank, and there's some kind of robot mech thing, and you you know clean all those, and and that's all that. Can you clean? Yeah, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> no, the, there's nothing involving Tifa or Aerith. You, I mean, there's no cleaning you know Aerith's exactly. blood off of the floor from where Sephiroth stabbed her. <laughs> I was going with the first one. Yeah. The, Can you clean Tifa's tits? There's no cleaning uh, whatever goop from Jaleva or Sephiroth. Or, I, I don't even remember. I've, I've played through the game, but I don't remember clearly what the hell was going on with the... I don't know, some kind of goddess or something they added in like a tube. And then Sephiroth became like a, a big god something who was like flinging planets at you or I don't know I don't remember I don't like JRPGs I know I was invincible at the end which helped a lot I mean that's the only way I beat the game is because I was playing invincible with you know increased running speed so that it wouldn't take forever and I think I also had a thing to skip all the random combats because I was invincible so I don't need to level up so yeah, because you get to the final battle and yeah, Sephiroth is just like throwing you through the entire solar system planet by planet. And um, it would have done a lot of damage <laughs> if uh, I hadn't been invincible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sephiroth, you can throw me into the sun, but did you see that zero that popped up after you did it? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. Yeah, but that's all the things I've watched and played. I think, because yeah, I got Puss in Boots: The Last Witch, the the new one. I've heard nothing but good things about it, but I just haven't gotten around to actually watching it. Yeah, I I want to watch that one. Remind me mm. later. We'll talk about it. We'll we'll actually do that thing where we watch a thing and then we talk about it on the show. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, because I haven't watched any more of the Disney movies. I don't know which one you're up to, but um, I think... Did you see Dumbo before last episode, or was that after? I think it was um, after. Yeah, that was after. Yeah, because you um, talked about that one, but I don't know what the next one of their movies is that I actually care enough to rewatch. Uh, well, the next one is Bambi. Yeah, um, no. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah, let me let me pull up the list. Let's see. Let's see the next one that Jade cares about. Although that does the, remind me, the, the one... guy who made that new Winnie the Pooh horror movie said he wants to do a Bambi horror movie. About Isn't like... that just Krampus? <laughs> yeah, you know, just Bambi's revenge. <laughs> Bambi with a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah, I just said, See, I, after Bambi's mom gets killed, he just gores the hunter with his little, you know, horns, and then picks up the shotgun, and he's off. See, I think after Bambi, it's one of the, um, the three caballeros. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Saludos Amigos. I think that's the one where they, like, go to, around... South and Central America. Mm. Um, oh yeah, and then it's the Three Caballeros. Okay. And then it's Make Mine Music. Yeah, so it's just that um, period of like Donald Duck musical movies. Yeah, so it's it's like five of those, and then it's um, Ichabod and Master Toad, uh, Mister T- <laughs> Mister Toad, <laughs> Master Toad. Master- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, X Men villain Master Toad. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Like a, like you could, when Master Mold, like robot the creator master. of the Sentinels, merges with Toad from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. They become Master Toad. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we might have and, a different title now. They'll have to fight. <laughs> Master Toad Master versus the Megalorian. <laughs> I like it. Um. Anyway, and then it's Cinderella. Um. And then Alice in Wonderland. So it's Bambi. Then a bunch of the shorts basically yeah the forgettable ones before they get back to doing big features again yeah and then i the the sleepy hollow one is i'm I'm interested in that Mm. um and then it's cinderella and alice in wonderland and i'm interested in cinderella just for the animation Mm. um and i'm interested in alice in wonderland just for the crazy bullshit yeah, I might watch the Ichabod one just because that's one that I I only remember fragments and I never actually owned a copy of. Yeah, eventually I'm gonna have to actually start watching these, mm. <laughs> or or just stop like the whole gear challenge thing and just do it whenever I feel like. Yeah. Um, 
which I, I might do just because my year has been kind of shitty so far. Mm, now just jump on the Clone Wars challenge. Uh, that that would take forever. That's like it's, 30 it, Disney movies. Yeah, they're probably longer than... Yeah. Um, how many episodes is Clone Wars about? Um, like it's seven seasons. The first five seasons, I want to say, are like twenty-two to twenty-four episodes each. Season six, I think, is ten episodes, and season seven is probably eight. So, uh, 22 times 5 is 110 plus 10, 120, 128, probably yeah, around 130 episodes, I guess. Damn. I don't want to do that. Because, mm. <laughs> like, I, I, watched, I watched the first season in, like, half of the second season, so probably about, about where you're at. Mm. Um, I watched that sometime last year. Um, so it, it's still like half fresh in my mind, um, but the rest of it, I don't know. Okay. Well, when I get to episode three, <laughs> I'll just be talking to myself about Mortis and how stupid that arc was. Or maybe I'll change oh, my I mind and not one. think Mortis was dumb for, you know, turning the light side into a beautiful woman and the dark side into a scary man. It's a neat idea, but I think it's probably it, going to it's feel like it's too big for a Clone Wars episode, and and it's too big for a show that is geared toward children. That is, you know, like pulling its punches <laughs> and explaining itself whenever it tries to do something yeah. bold. Yeah, I mean, it it also is just kind of like the opposite of what the Force. It's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think like something like that know, probably could have worked in... You know, if it was Gendy Tarkovsky doing it in the mini-series, the micro-series yeah. style. Because he wouldn't have the characters explain anything that's going on. Like, it would just let you live <laughs> right. in the vibe of, like, this is the embodiment of the light side, and this is the embodiment of the dark side. And they're, you know, going to stand... Yeah. Silently on this hill with the sound of rushing wind behind them, and y you just, you know, watch it. They don't need to, you know, tell you what's going on or why. Yeah, that was the good part about, like, half of the Star Wars Visions um, episodes mm. is uh, that. I mean, yeah, half of them didn't feel the need to over explain themselves um, the way that George Lucas and some of his successors do. Hmm. Um, but Yeah, like the first I mean, the Ronin episode was good. Yeah. Like like we don't need to know why there's a Sith hunting another Sith. You know, he just is. And they've got umbrella yeah. lightsabers because why not? I mean we've got helicopter lightsabers at this point, anything's allowed. Yeah. I mean the after Darth Maul the series just really almost gives up on making cool new lightsabers. Mm. Um like oh Dooku has a fencing lightsaber. That's cool if you notice that. 
Yeah, um, I mean, it's you... just a curved hilt, because the blade <clears throat> is still flat. Right. So, yeah, no, we got curved hilt, and then nothing in Revenge of the Sith, and then... Yeah. And then we have the, the like, Claymore, <laughs> like... It... Yeah, the, we, well, um, in, in Rebels, they introduced the, the double-bladed helicopter saber because it's a double blade but also it's got this disc around it and it'll you know you can like hold a button or something and make it spin and also hold it above your head and fly because it's a silly children's cartoon and then kylo ren yeah. force awakens comes in with his cross guard saber yeah which it's just kind of weird like yeah. it's not cool well yeah it's like he's I mean, got these two little I mean, blades and i guess the excuse is that the blade is so hypercharged that it has to come out multiple sides now. Yeah, that doesn't really come across though. Yeah. See, if if they were doing like a whole Inquisitor thing, where there's like, oh, it's like a, it's like a knight, you know, on an Inquisition, and he's got like a long sword, mm. so like that would fit, you know. Yeah. But with like, I with, don't hate with, the cross guard. So it it's fine. No. Like, I don't think anybody really hates it, and probably very few people love it. Mm. <laughs> like, it's just kind of, just kind of. Oh, they they did something new. They tried, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't really <laughs> innovate, but it's visually distinct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't tell you the difference between most of the lightsabers in Star Wars, and I'm a, you know, decently knowledgeable Star Wars fan, at least when it comes to the movies and like some of the video games yeah well i mean yeah because effectively as far as like the movies and shows and everything it that there there's no difference in terms of combat potential between any of the different versions you know you'll have a person with one lightsaber fighting grievous who's got four lightsabers and able to hold him off just fine because you know, it, it's like that Stan Lee clip of him saying, like, who, who would win in a fight between the Hulk and Spider-Man? Whoever the writer wants to win, because it's a story, <laughs> and the writer decides who's going to win. So who the fuck cares if you got one lightsaber or 12 <laughs> lightsabers? You, you, the person who wins is the one who, that the writer wants to win, and they'll make up a reason for why they won. I, l- I love all the memes um, of Grievous having like 48 lightsabers. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite. Um, I, w- I would like to see that. Or, well, actually, I was about to say I'd like to see that in the fight, but there is like somebody made like a gif of um, Grievous pulling out like 10 lightsabers yeah. and then going to swing them and he just blows himself up basically. Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, we we got on Star Wars again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we still got fifteen minutes left, you know, before going into overtime. Did you want to talk about JoJo JoJo JoJo? Because it's the sixth one. Okay. I'm. So yeah, I'm glad you said that six, six times. Yeah. Um. I don't know how much to say about. Jojo Part Six anime, it's like it, it's not as good as the last two parts. Um, when they do like, the it, seventh, it's still one, really good. Jojo Jojo Jojo. <laughs> I had that joke all planned out already. Oh. 
You uh, you you completely left behind all the Bobo 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 Bo fans. Yeah. No, that's just. I mean, I never watched Bobo 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 Bo, but I heard it enough times on Toonami ads that it's burned in my brain. <laughs> I don't even know if like there's a specific cadence it's supposed to be set in, but that's how they always said it. So it is burned in my brain too. Yeah. But okay, so um, JoJo to the third power um, or Joe to the sixth power um, the ocean of rocks Jolene that's her name <laughs> yeah. the ocean of rocks yeah. um, I don't really want to talk about part six <laughs> like it's not bad at all mm. like I, I really enjoyed it I watched it all the way through it's like 38 episodes or whatever Oh, well, um, that's not bad. I was. Aren't some of those series like a hundred episodes? Well, I mean, all of JoJo, all all together is probably like. Let's see, the first one's like twenty something episodes. Yeah, I mean, isn't the third one like the the long one? Yeah, yeah. The third one is basically two seasons by itself. It's like forty eight episodes. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, Joe, like the JoJo anime is probably over 150 up, ep- like between 150 and 200 episodes now. Mm. Um. Okay, so like a third of that was the third arc. Yeah, basically, and it it's also just not like the the third part of JoJo is like where it blew up in popularity. Um. But also, it's like the second to worst one, <laughs> mm. uh, in my opinion. Anyway, so is it like Yu-Gi-Oh, um, where it was kind of doing a bunch of things, and then one part blew up, and that just became the identity of the whole series? Um, in one way, yes. Um, but like part four is actually closer to what the rest of it would become. Um. Cause like part, part one and part two, is completely different than the rest of it. Um, and then in part three, that's where they start introducing stands, mm. um, which is you know like the the magic ghost. Yeah, it stands beside. Yeah, <laughs> the magic ghost that has your superpowers. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, like that then, thing in Dice Funk. Yeah. I can't believe Araki copied Austin Yorsky. Yeah. <laughs> what a hack. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, season three started with stands, but all the stands were named by at, after, like, tarot cards. Um... And the characters had the music reference names, mm. um, and but then that's they ran when out of tarot all the characters. Yeah, I mean they ran out halfway through. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you can't then, have the tower too. Yeah, I don't even remember what the tower was. There, there's so many stands like it. 
if you if you just named like a band, I could tell you I could probably tell you if there's a stand of it or not, mm. but I couldn't tell you what it does. <laughs> um, Jade, name a band. Uh, Pearl Jam. <laughs> okay, I I actually do remember that one. It's um it's in part four. It's the owner of a restaurant. Um, he okay. has he has Pearl Jam. And um, I I think it just makes like really good food that um like that fits the palate of whoever's eating it. Mm. Uh, like it's 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 something that's beneficial and not used in a fight. <laughs> and like I I, th- I think like the the conflict was just they were trying to decide whether um whether the the chef was an enemy or not like what whether they were in a trap um or if he was just making good food and it turns out he was just making good food mm. has there been a nickelback stand yet um i'm sure if there was it'd be memed everywhere it wasn't in part six um was there one in part seven i don't remember um I'm I'm going to say no. I don't think there was. Okay. But I mean there there are some bad bands in there cuz I mean there's a Limp Biscuit one. <laughs> so so <laughs> Is there a Smashing Pumpkins one? <laughs> oh god, I hope so. <laughs> I don't remember what it what it would be though. It has nothing to do with pumpkins or smashing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they usually don't have anything to do with the name. Yeah. Um, they do sometimes, though. No, it's Smashing Pumpkins, and he's got ice powers. Yeah, there you go. Because, like, uh... And although, ice power that's probably too simple for what a stand does. They have to have, like, really weird bullshit. Actually, the, the early ones, like the Part 3 stands, are usually just like, oh, this one punches real good. This yeah. one ha- uses a sword real good. This one's a bird that has fire powers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if, if it gets to be a later one where they've got band names, it's yeah. gonna have powers that are just weird. Yeah, like the in part five, the the main character uh, Giorno, he he can turn inanimate objects into living objects. Um, that he can kind of control and then he can turn them back um it's like i I think there's an episode where he like assassinates a guy by turning a banana into like like turning a gun into a banana um and then when the guy's eating the banana it turns back into a gun (laughs) okay so he can (laughs) turn he he, he, like transmutes things yeah but it, it has to be into a living thing okay yeah, because so like, at first I, I when you were describing that, I thought it was like, this is one Brandon Sanderson book, Warbreaker, where people have the power, like, they collect all these breaths, and then they can use the breath to, you know, they, like, temporarily give their breath to an object to bring it to life, and give it a basic command. So you can, like, command a curtain to grab someone and hold them in place. And and it does until you retrieve your breath back from it, and then it just goes back to being a curtain. 
So it doesn't like change the shape of anything. It just you know animates it and gives yeah. it a command. Yeah, and I, I might be misremembering the banana gun thing, but it's close. Mm. Um, like I, I know, like his introduction is like he, like he steals money from somebody, and he like turns it into butterflies, and they fly into his wallet. <laughs> and he holds up his hand and says, "Is this money?" <laughs> Shut up, Jay. I'm just referencing memes because I, I know don't watch anime. I um yeah, but it they they definitely do get weirder as time goes on. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of a weird one from part six um oh kiss is a it's a stand where it makes a sticker and if it if the sticker gets put on an object um it duplicates and when the sticker is taken off of the object um it it returns to the original Mm. um and with like the with like the force of the momentum at which it returns so so like if if she puts a sticker on a glass of water and then takes the sticker off the the glass will like reform into one but it it'll break because it retains the force of momentum mm. from the two objects hitting each other Which it is, it's used near the end, um, where um, basically they put a sticker on a guy's tongue, and they're like, "We're gonna see if he's lying or not," um, and, and then they're like, "Oh, he wasn't lying," but we're gonna take the stick the sticker off of this copy of the tongue just to teach him a lesson Mm. (laughs) so they take it off and you just hear the screaming (laughs) from off screen um and then they get to steal Daphne away from Fred because kiss oh yeah I I love that movie we should watch Mm. (laughs) we should watch the Scooby Doo kit no that's probably on HBO Max I'm not paying for that yeah Um, well I mean I'm sure it's in the five dollar bin somewhere yeah Um, I haven't actually talked about part six at all and that's because I don't know it's it's just not as good as the last two Mm. so like just watch part Watch part four. If you watch one JoJo, watch part four. Um, because it has fun characters and interesting stands and a damn good villain. And it's not Dio again. Mm. Because he's dead for good that time or because he was taking a season off? Um, I mean, he, he is dead for good, but also he has... An, an important influence on the main villain of part six. Oh. Um, and 
one of his bones is turned into a baby that eats the villain, and then they they merge into. Um. <laughs> yeah, then they attach his severed arm to Revolver Ocelot, and he gets his personality absorbed and stuff through the nanomachines. The baby, the baby eats him, and then they merge into a new. <laughs> Okay, here's a spoiler for the end of JoJo Part 6. The villain fast-forwards time um, until the universe dies, and there's a new Big Bang, and then they're in the new universe. So so season 7 happens, or part 7 happens in a new universe created at the end of part 6. Like in that one season of Dice Funk that they totally ripped off. Yes. Um, yeah, they they basically didn't want to worry about the continuity, so they mm. just made a whole new universe. They were like, things happen the same way they oh, do, but they're so different. Oh, so it's DC 252. Oh, yeah, like blatantly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, like, um, the JoJo from part one is Jonathan Joestar, mm. and... The Jojo from Part 7 is Johnny Joestar. Um, and his full name is Jonathan Joestar. And also Dio is there. Mm. But he's a different Dio. Oh, he, he's so, not... wait, so he has to go now relive the first season? In a new timeline? No, it, it, the, it yeah, I mean, it's it's completely different. Um, it's, it's like the... The universes don't cross anymore. Like there, there's only one character that survives in the new universe, and I don't think he's ever seen again. Mm. Um, I don't like. I don't even know if parts seven and eight are supposed to be like blatantly in the new universe, or if it's just like, okay, look, we're stopping continuity and we're we're restarting it. Mm. I don't want to deal with it anymore. It's in a parallel timeline that will cross over with the old timeline eventually. Yeah. The old time- timeline, which like, was reset, so it's old yeah. new timeline. Because like the the family tree in the in the old timeline is there's Jonathan Joestar, and then he dies, and his grandson Joseph Joestar um, has a whole other adventure, and then his grandson Jotaro Kujo, because he he married into Japanese I guess um, mm. they go on it him and Joseph go on an adventure and they go to Egypt and then they fight the villain from part one who is Dio yeah, didn't and Dio's then, like severed head attached to one of the Joe stars or something yeah at, that's how Jonathan dies okay, um, the first Jojo they, yeah they're they're on a ship and the ship goes down and uh, Jonathan's like, "Look, I'm not gonna survive this, but neither are you. We're gonna go down together, because you're my brother. And even all the, even though all the bad shit you did, I still kind of love you." Mm. Um, but then later he gets out by um, stealing the body of Jonathan. Mm. Uh, yeah, because Dio is a vampire. Yeah, because I remember that scene. Be- yeah. Like it, it's a, it was a phenomenon in Japan, and now it's a phenomenon worldwide with the new anime. So, mm. 
at least with the OVA, they were kind of figuring, you're in Japan, you know JoJo. <laughs> so they probably didn't need to uh, explain it that well. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, Jotaro is Joseph, Joseph's legitimate grandson. Um, Josuke is... Uh, Joseph's illegitimate son who he had when he was like 60 something <laughs> with some random Japanese woman he met um, so Joseph canonically cheats on his wife <laughs> um, he's still best Jojo I don't care um, yeah that timeline was reset none of it counts anymore yeah fuck it um, Giorno is Dio's son who he had with Jonathan's body so he's technically a you know part of the family um and they don't really cross over at all <laughs> with, with the other Jojos that much he, they, he just kind of exists and he has blonde hair so that's how you know he's Dio's but he still has the star birthmark that's how you know he's part of the family and he's got um, one eye that's one color and another eye that's the other color. I assume. I don't know. So Heterochromia is just a thing that shows up in a lot of anime characters. One of them only sees the past. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that Cowboy Bebop uh, scene, but I can only meme on it now. Um, yeah, anyway... And Jolene is just Jotaro's daughter. Mm. So there we go. There's the the whole family. And then the universe ends. Yep. So, and then they're allowed to reuse yep. all the names over again because it's a new universe. Yep. Because part seven, it's Johnny, who is Jonathan. Um, and part eight, it is a... I haven't read part eight, but I'm pretty sure it's Josuke. Mm. Um from part four yeah again we ran out of joe names yeah <laughs> couldn't have joab i mean i think or uh, i don't know what else there's got to be other joe names i mean i i think by part four he kind of just like they're like oh, oh I, I don't care about the joe the jojo thing anymore mm. <laughs> because he's like Josuke Higashikata or something. Mm. It's like there's there's only one Joe. They need to have a Jabba, the Jabba Joestar. <laughs> Jajo's Bazaar Adventure. Yeah. Jabba the Joestar. I could see it. I could see a hut Jojo posing. Mm. Um. No, there's there's been overly muscular huts. <laughs> huts no. with abs. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it wouldn't be huts. It's just hut. There's only one, and it's Gracchus. But yeah, he exists. Okay, Jade, give me five band names, and I want to see if I can remember if they have a standard or not. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, me coming up with band names. Okay. Um. Is Weird Al considered a band name or just a person? 
I, I don't believe there's a weird house there. <laughs> um, I'm sure ACDC's got one. Uh, oh, ACDC, I think, has several. Yeah. Um, the, the most... I I, th- I think ACDC is a stand in part three, or a, a character in part three with a stand. I don't exactly remember. Mm. Um, yeah, he's a character with a stand. I don't remember what he does but um the villain in part seven um president of the united states funny valentine (laughs) Mm. has has the stand um dirty deeds done dirt cheap which he shortens to d4c um and in translation, because of legal reasons, they can't call it Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. So they call it Filthy Acts at a Reasonable Price. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Um, uh, what about the Beatles? I, th- I think Joe... Like, I don't... I don't think there's a... I don't think there's a stand called the Beatles. I could be wrong, mm. but... Like, I think JoJo, like, the name JoJo is a reference to a Beatles song. Mm. Uh, what about the monkeys? I don't think there's a monkey stand. I mean, I'm sure it's probably all, like, I 80s and onward bands. Mostly. Because, I mean, like, there's a lot of Led Zeppelin references in the first part, so... Yeah, and I... I don't pay a lot of attention to music, so right now I'm going in my brain through um, the uh, oh, what's that movie called? Um, uh, the Walk Hard movie that I've watched uh, a bunch of times because it's funny. Uh, so yeah, I'd assume uh, the Partridge, Partridge Family probably wouldn't come up because that's you know another like <laughs> thing before music was cool. Wait, here's the thing. It's very possible <laughs> that there is, um, but I don't think there is. I mean, like, I Bob remember. Dylan is, you know, a singer, not really a band. He's just a singer. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some that are uh, just characters, or uh, just uh, people names. Mm. I, th- I think. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I mean, if there is, there's got to be an Elvis, right? Um, no. It It is mostly, like, 70s and onward. Mm. Like I mean, Led Zeppelin, 60s. I'm sure. It's got one. Yeah, I mean, there's, um... William Zappelli. Mm. <laughs> who, uh... Teaches Jonathan the the art of Hamon, which is the, the weird bullshit power set in parts one and two. Mm. Uh, that is just completely thrown away after part three. <laughs> Michael Jackson and or the Jackson Five. I think, I think there's a few Michael Jackson references, um, but I can't remember what they are. There's like five Queen ones. Mm. Oh yeah, Man in the Mirror. Oh. Um. I think I think he likes he like pulls people into a mirror dimension hmm. where uh, where they dance. He 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 basically has all the power. 
Um, <laughs> I I googled Michael Jackson JoJo, mm. and, and one of the there's another one. You know the the similar questions or people also ask section mm. when you Google something. One of them is, does Jesus have a stand in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? <laughs> I, I hate that that's relevant. <laughs> is there a character named because Jesus? In, in, no, in, in part seven, they're, um, they're looking for like the, the remains of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, right. So they found the Shroud um, of Turin, and they're trying to find a body that matches me. Basically, <laughs> but then they run uh, Indiana Jones along the way, looking for the same thing. Look, you can you can say shit like mm. that, and it's it's not as crazy as you think it is. <laughs> like, like you could just say something in JoJo, and it's like, oh, that happened in part two. Mm. Yeah. So how many times has JoJo beat up Hitler? Um Okay, so there is <laughs> there <laughs> There there is a, a character in part 2 that's a Nazi, but he's not a bad guy. Oh. <laughs> well. Well, I mean I mean, it it takes place like pre-war, um, like like he's he's not he's not necessarily an ally, mm. but he's he's just like there's these these ancient vampire men running around, and they're gonna wipe out all life on Earth. So I guess yeah, I guess you gotta stop. He turns into first. a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> he's a cyborg Nazi. Oh, so it's it's setting oh up for God. Wolfenstein. Yes, JoJo and Wolfenstein is the same universe, blatantly. Um. Yeah. Um. That's it. I don't. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We'll wrap up. Uh, the show is over. There we go. There's a closer for it. Yep. But. Yeah. That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>